0: Arcadian Vanguard presents the wrestling news and your daily wrestling newscast for Sunday, December thirty first, two thousand twenty three. Good morning. I'm Mike Sempervivi. We begin today with allegations pertaining to Chris Jericho that made the rounds on social media yesterday. On his podcast, Rumor and Innuendo, Nick Hausman made reference to issues with Jericho behind the scenes, including non disclosure agreements that Jericho allegedly made people sign who had sexual misconduct allegations against him. The story gained traction online, with several including Kylie Ray, posting in support of it and hinting at some of the charges against him. Ray departed AEW under mysterious circumstances after a very short tenure, with stories surfacing of Jericho's behavior being part of the reason. The reaction spread to last night's World's End pay-per-view at the Nassau Coliseum, where Jericho was roundly booed by the live crowd. Tony Khan addressed the concerns during the post-show press scrum.
1: I can't can't speak to internet and unsourced rumors. I think I spoke earlier to Kevin and mentioned the policy we have in place and the disciplinary process. We've always followed that, and I believe AEW is the safest wrestling company in the world, and we have the best track record for safety, and I would hold it up to anybody, and anytime anybody has any kind of complaint, they have an open door again to, to say it to me or to... Uh, anyone in the office, and we would uh, look into it anytime. So, I, again, just Kevin earlier asked about that policy, and I think I you know gave a pretty robust answer on that, and it would apply here too.
0: Also during the Scrum, Khan discussed the departure of several key AEW executives as of late, including Vice President of Live Events Raphael Morphy and Producer and Vice President QT Marshall, as well as Vice President of Merchandising Dana Massey, whose departure was reported by the Wrestling Observer and others to be at least partly related to the recent locker room turmoil between CM Punk and her husband and brother-in-law, Matt and Nick Jackson.
1: Uh, I would also like to say, uh, in addition to Raphael Morphy, who gave uh, great parting words and also great way for him to leave AEW on a sellout show, also uh, end of the uh, contract for our chief merchandising officer, Dana Massey who I really appreciate, has done great work and has been with us since the very beginning of the company. Dana is a really, really great person. She's a a very wonderful lady, she has a great family and I got to know her before there was an AEW and she's one of the first people that took a chance on this and one of the first people that took this idea, this dream seriously and without Dana and if she hadn't convinced uh, Matt to get on the phone with me and take this seriously, I don't know that we'd all be here and i think she's a huge part of what we've done and i also wanted to thank her
0: in speaking to the wrestling news Khan discussed whether he would ever consider moving to a booking committee going forward or possibly
1: stepping away from creative entirely it's a great question i mean it's the same process it's always been there's been different people in the room throughout the proper i think i've always come in with a an outline of ideas and i'll talk through and talk ideas with the people in the room and it's some people that weren't here at the beginning like brian danielson's a great example that wasn't here at the beginning of aw but uh you know would have fit in the whole time and is a mind i would have gladly uh discussed wrestling ideas with at any time so uh really for the last several years i think it's been a pretty consistent process it's just the people that i'm you know talking to qt would have been at somebody that you know if he was still here every week would be in the room with us Uh, and I'll come in with an outline of ideas week to week and talk through things. We have a great group of people. So I I think it's been really strong, and certainly right now, the company this week, you'd say, is on one of the hottest runs in terms of business we've been on.
0: Turning to AEW World's End itself, the event aired live last night on pay-per-view from the Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale, New York. In the main event, Samoa Joe defeated MJF in 17 minutes and 52 seconds to become the new AEW World Champion, ending what was the longest world title reign in AEW history at 406 days. The win also makes Joe the only person to hold a world title and ring of honor impact in AEW. Following the match, Adam Cole was revealed to be the masked devil who had been tormenting MJF in the storyline leading up to the match, with Wardlow, Roderick Strong, Mike Bennett, and Matt Taven as his henchmen. The five men attacked the defeated MJF in a post-match angle to end the show. destroy this, what the hell are we witnessing here, Adam Cole, he's the devil, it's gotta be, and he's in league with the kingdom, Roderick Strong, and that's one done, Roderick Strong? Eddie Kingston defeated Jon Moxley in 17 minutes and 16 seconds in the finals of the Continental Classic, adding the new AEW Continental title to the ROH World title and the NJPW Strong Openweight title he already holds. It is the Continental Crown. For a man, Sorry, Kingston. I will have to say this: as a wrestler who idolized All Japan in the 90s, who grew up watching the Triple Crown, I can only imagine how proud Eddie Kingston is of this moment. Oh, absolutely, emotion for sure. In the night's other title switch, Christian Cage initially lost the TNT title to Adam Copeland in a no disqualification match, but Copeland promptly lost the title right back to Cage after Kill Switch handed over his contracted TBS title shot to Cage, which Cage then proceeded to cash in on the prone Copeland right then and there. Both women's title holders were victorious, with Toni Storm successfully defending her AEW World Women's title against Riho and Julia Hart retaining her TBS championship against Abaddon. Keith Lee was unable to participate in his scheduled match against Swerve Strickland due to an injury. Lee was replaced on the show by Dustin Rhodes, who fought a losing effort against Strickland. In what was confirmed by Tony Khan to be his final AEW match, Andrade El Idolo lost via submission to Miro. Andrade has officially parted ways with the company, with Khan wishing him well during the press scrum. In other results, the team of Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Sting, and Darby Allin beat Konosuke Takeshita, Powerhouse Hobbs, Big Bill, and Ricky Starks. And Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli, Mark Briscoe, and Daniel Garcia defeated Brody King, Jay Lethal, Jay White, and Roosh in the opener. In WWE news, Kevin Dunn, executive producer and chief of global TV distribution for WWE, has reportedly given his notice to the company. According to PW Insider, Dunn informed the company last week of his decision. Dunn was hired by then World Wrestling Federation owner Vince McMahon as a television producer in 1984, being promoted to supervising producer in 1991, and then to executive producer of all the company's television programming in 1993. Dunn's father, Dennis Dunn, began working for Vincent James McMahon in 1972 as the executive producer of Intermedia Studios in Baltimore, which created and distributed the company's weekly television syndication. PW Insider reported a source as noting that Dunn, quote, was never going to do anything that was dictated to him, end quote, and that Dunn had little to no interest in working for anyone other than Vince McMahon. Earlier this month during a speaking engagement at the UBS Global Media and Communications Conference, TKO Chief Operating Officer Mark Shapiro indicated production would be in the line of fire when it came to cuts. He stated, quote, Even if our production chiefs want to tell me there's not, frankly, I worked at ESPN for 12 years. I oversaw all production. I've been through all of the song and dance with every producer who treats every tape machine and camera like it's a baby and doesn't want to give it up. We're here to improve our margins. So, we're going to scrutinize every dollar on the production end of every single one of these events and every single one of these telecasts. End quote. And in some unfortunate news, Masashi Ozawa, better known as Killer Khan, passed away on December 29th after suffering what is being described as a ruptured artery while working at his bar in the Shinjuku region of Tokyo. He was 76 years old. Born on March 6, 1947, Ozawa competed in sumo before beginning his pro wrestling career working for the Japanese Wrestling Association in 1971 before moving on to Antonio Inoki's New Japan pro wrestling promotion in 1973. Prior to departing Japan in 1978, Ozawa was given the gimmick of a Mongolian monster named Killer Khan by New Japan head trainer Carl Gotch. It was under that persona that Ozawa would become one of the most successful Japanese imports in American wrestling history. Khan's stint for the World Wrestling Federation between December 1980 and October of 1982 put him on the map as a main event caliber talent as he engaged in feuds with WWF world champion Bob Backlund and intercontinental champion Pedro Morales. But it was his feud with Andre the Giant that Khan would become best known for. In May of 1981, while getting out of his bed, Andre broke his ankle and required surgery. Turning the real-life event into a storyline, the promotion then noted that during a match, Khan delivered a knee drop from the top rope on Andre to injure him. This led to a highly successful run of revenge matches, including Mongolian stretcher matchups in which Andre came out on top. The battles between the two ended up being named as 1981's Feud of the Year for both Pro Wrestling Illustrated and the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. After returning to New Japan Pro Wrestling in 1983, Khan would join several fellow heels as a part of Ricky Choshu's Revolution Army stable. In 1985, the unit would collectively quit New Japan to form their own separate company called Japan Pro Wrestling and forged a working relationship with All Japan Pro Wrestling. In 1984, for Dallas-based World Class Championship Wrestling, Khan would engage in a feud with Terry Gordy, which saw him start as an ally of the Fabulous Freebirds, before turning on Gordy and joining General Skandar Akbar's army. After the disintegration of Japan Pro Wrestling in 1987, Khan would return to the WWF for one last run of title matches against Hulk Hogan before retiring at the end of the year. After his retirement from the ring, Khan entered the service industry where he ran several restaurants and bars. In May of 2021, Khan was forced to close his establishment due to a loss of business suffered during the COVID-19 pandemic. Khan opened his most recent bar in March of 2023. A month later, he underwent successful colon cancer surgery. Once again, Killer Khan passes away at the age of 76. And before we leave you today, we'd like to remind you that however you consume your content, you can find the Wrestling News 24 hours a day and 7 days a week across social media. On Twitter, follow us at Wrestling news AV. Our Facebook page is also Wrestling news AV. The Wrestling News can also be found on the Arcadian Vanguard YouTube page. And for those who utilize Amazon Echo devices, just tell Alexa to play the Wrestling News podcast. And remember to make sure you add podcast at the end. Once again, for daily updates, breaking news, and more, follow the Wrestling News across social media. And that's the news for today. If anything happens, we will be here to tell you about it. No clickbait, no paywall, just the wrestling news the wrestling news is a division of arcadian vanguard and the wrestling newscast is a production of the arcadian vanguard podcast network